Hey everybody, we are live here on our Dive Deeper. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, here on our Dive Deepers, this is just something that we've done through many of the series that we've had the last couple of years, um, where we dive deeper into what we've been talking about, what we've been preaching about um, from Sunday mornings. Uh, obviously, it's it's difficult to cover everything in one sermon or even a series of sermons sometimes. Um, and there's just things that, in kind of in this setting, we feel like we can cover a little bit better uh, that we maybe can't do from stage. So that's why we're doing this. Um, I'm here with Trey Bailey. Uh, our executive pastor here at East Ridge. What's and up, Kurt? What's up, everybody online? Good to see you. Fantastic mind and student of the word uh, in your own respect. So appreciate you being here. And um, I'm Kurt, and just uh, we're we're glad to be able to do this. Hopefully, this will be something that is encouraging and uplifting and challenging, and um, maybe I think for both of us and for anybody watching this to give us some maybe some deeper um, insight and even appreciation. I think ultimately um, we don't just want to learn things, but we really, we, we want to grow in our love for the Lord and our love for his word. Um, so that's why we're doing these, these dive deepers. So, um, and a bonus is that the Braves are not playing tonight. Yes. <laughs> that is a bonus for you uh, and me and everyone. Cause go Braves, watching. right? Um, yeah, we're, we're excited about the Braves, but they're not on tonight. So this is a great opportunity for us to um, just seize the night and uh, let it be ours to, you know, just enjoy this, this dive deeper. So if you've been watching with us online or coming to one of our campuses, what we've been going through is the book of Revelation. And uh, obviously Revelation comes with uh, no shortage of uh, challenges and interesting thoughts and even theories and all sorts of things uh, that kind of are surrounded with, uh, with this book. So um, I think this is just really timely that we're doing it for one thing, but also just that we get to do this dive deeper too. the kind of walk through, you know, uh, a little bit tonight was what we're going to talk about is kind of walking through some of the history, who is the the writer, the Apostle John, the type of literature that this book is, some of the views on Revelation. Um, and then we'll just sort of, as best we can, just sort of dive into what we've already talked about um, on Sunday morning. So so we're going to dive deeper. We're going to dive deeper, okay, actually, is that's what, what we're, we're going to do. Yeah, okay. that is correct. Right, that is just what making we're gonna, sure. Um, yes. So we have covered, have we done four weeks so far? Or three? Yes, four, four, weeks. four weeks of Revelation, and we've covered through chapter six. Seven. So um, up to last yesterday, we, we went through chapter seven. Chapter seven kind of ends with the sort of the, the opening of some of the seals and the four horsemen and all that kind of stuff. So that's really where we're at. If you're wondering, if you haven't been following along, that's where we, we've gotten to so far. We are going to do two more, right? Two more dive deepers. Or th three more, two more, uh, two more, two more yeah. dive deepers. Um, yeah, November and December we'll do a we'll do two more. So um, we will cover the rest of it. So tonight um, we'll get up to to chapter seven. So let's just start talking about the Apostle John. John, the Apostle John. What thoughts and uh, insights might you have, Trey? I just, Apostle John. First of all, <laughs> I would love to know what his last name is. There is John, no last name. What? Why is that? John what? is his last name. John's Apostle, his last name. Apostle oh. is his first name. <laughs> Apostle John. <laughs> Apostle John. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, it was John of son son of Zebedee. We know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was John of Galilee. Was that, would that have been what they would have said? Yeah. I guess was that his probably name? so. Um, so this is the Apostle John, the guy who wrote this book. Um, also, what else quiz. did he write? He wrote. I was going to pop quiz you. No, you got to go first. Okay. All right. All right. Well, he wrote the gospel. Wrote the, the gospel, gospel of John. John. He wrote 
first, second, third John. First, second, third John. Real short ones. And Revelation. And Revelation, there yeah. you go. That we know of, at least. Right. Um, the Apostle John, he's an interesting guy. He, he is, um, now if you read the Gospels, right, so you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first three we call what? Synoptic, Synoptic Gospels, Gospels, because they're very similar. Yep. Synonymous. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very, very similar in style and structure and stories even and all of that. John is a little different, so it's sort of the outlier Gospel. He does tell some of the same stories as well, but um, he seems to have sort of a unique perspective. It was the last Gospel written, far as we know as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and John definitely has a different style and a kind of a different almost like mindset about how he's coming at it. So even from the Gospels, we see John is a little bit of a different guy, mm-hmm. um, almost he, perfectly suited to write yeah. a book like Revelation. He doesn't tell, in the Gospel of John, he doesn't tell his stories, the stories of Jesus in any sort of right. uh, specific um, chronological order, which may right. come up in a minute, right. but instead he kind of does it circular, mm-hmm. right? Like he tells a story. Yeah with an intent and purpose, and he puts it in his his uh, gospel in a yeah. certain way to, by the end of it, you're going, ah, that's the Son of God. Right. Right. Um, and and then even in his letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, same deal. Like, he, he's a very circular type writer. Um, if you read 1st John, and what that really means is, like, just practically, if you read through the letter, it's almost like you'll read the same verse five or six different times as mm-hmm. you read through John because he kind of keeps coming back to the same ideas and kind of going in circles. Not like he's just all over the place, but that's just the style in which he write, uh, writes. More of a, um, not not as much of like a, a, I'm trying to build an argument style like the Apostle Paul would write, mm-hmm. um, but more so like I'm, I've actually heard it said this way, like the Apostle Paul argues and reasons, the Apostle John declares. Yeah. Right. That's just how he writes. He's just like, I just, I'm just want to tell you something yeah. that, that's amazing and awesome and, and say it like this. And his know? style, which will follow into Revelation, mm-hmm. uh, there's a fancy word for it called re- recapitulation. Mm-hmm. It's like when he's saying the same thing over yeah. and over <laughs> and over again, but maybe using different yeah, examples, different illustrations. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So like the gospel of John is almost, you could say it is very similar to Revelation in the, in the, in the sense that he's showing us these windows into Jesus's life in mm-hmm. the gospel of John, like you said, not necessarily a linear timeline of this is exactly how the events unfolded in chronological order, but more so here's, here's a story I remember that shows his deity. Here's mm-hmm. another story I remember that shows his deity here. And, and, he, and then he leads us to the cross, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but very similar. So um, yeah, that's, that's sort of the apostle John. And he, he seems to be almost the way that he is and the way that he thinks, like he's a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's almost like, um, almost a hippie, the way that he gums about it sometimes right. where he just like, like this dude, um, like you can feel his emotion in it. You can feel his, even his, like sometimes just going like this, almost like, wow, of like the way that he presents certain stories and certain truths. And again, I think just so well suited for mm-hmm. writing the book of revelation yeah. as that kind of guy. And known as one of the sons of thunder, right? Like, so mm-hmm. he has this kind of emotion yeah. in which he writes right, with, right. but also not to be confused with. John the Baptist. Right. Yeah. So sometimes we, you know, we right, think yeah, of the Johns yeah. and we might get them confused, but this is a different John. John yes, the Apostle. Not John the Baptist. Yep. Different guy um, who was the cousin of Jesus. John the Apostle, probably the best friend of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, he was called the disciple Jesus. At least that's what he calls himself. Um, <laughs> I don't know if others got, like maybe Peter didn't call him that, but. That's what um, I call myself too. I'm the <laughs> disciple that Jesus loves. Um, but yeah, so that's what John calls himself uh, in his own gospel. And, you know, just seems, he definitely was in the inner circle. All the Gospels kind of mm-hmm. talk about him that way, whereas Peter, James, and John being sort of the closest guys to Jesus. So by the end of his life, so the Apostle John lived longer than any other apostle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the only one not specifically martyred, killed for his faith. Um, 
And so by the end of his life and by the time he would have written Revelation, which I, I believe in, in the later view of it, which is late 90s, mm-hmm. first century AD, um, he's exiled to this island called Patmos, and he writes this letter, this revelation. But he, at this time, he's known as sort of the, the elder of the church, the teacher of, mm-hmm. like the teacher of the church. That's just kind of how other Christians would have seen him. Mm-hmm. He's the only living apostle mm-hmm. by now. And it's just like, this is John, right? And so when this letter would have gotten out and, and originally been circulated, um, and we do see this as we read through church history. You see that the, the earliest Christians who received this, it was very well received. This revelation was very well received because they knew this is John. Like we have every reason to trust him, every reason to believe that this is exactly, he wrote down what Jesus revealed to him, wanted him to see and to give us, mm-hmm. to, to have. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is it, it seemed to be that over the centuries then, that sort of warm welcome for Revelation started to grow a little cold just because it is a difficult book. Yeah. And as you get further and further from the moment of revelation or that word right. being apocalypse or, or this yeah. unveiling, right. you know, f- the further you get away from it uh, and the immediate um, uh, context of what was going on, the, the more we forget, right? Like as the history goes right. forward, we're like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. Now all of a sudden I don't remember what, what was exactly was going on. <laughs> right. And so the further away you get, then there becomes now interpretations. Right, and yeah. So, oh, what was he really talking about? Was it really Rome? Was it really the yeah. emperor or whatever? And we'll get into some of those things. Right. And so as, the, as time goes on, it gets a little more difficult to remember in the context, which then leads to people fighting about it. Yeah. And fighting about it usually can keep something out of the Bible in the early days. Right. So, you know... You, you you've talked you've you've learned something about the or you were sharing me the other day about the um, how it gets in the canon the canon being as right. you called it like the table of contents like yeah, all yeah. the books that are in the Bible yeah. now yeah it was the last one to be included in the canon again that that word just meaning the list of books in the Bible um, by the mid three hundreds um, we had really every book and, and when we say this this there there were several different councils we don't have to get into all this but there were several different councils of church leaders that would meet through the centuries early centuries um, to collect together all the the writings that we had from. Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament was pretty well set by then. Mm-hmm. New Testament, obviously, the apostles were writing these things, and so they were collecting them together, figuring out, okay, Paul wrote this one. We know Peter wrote this one. Let's get these in. What order do we want to be in? All that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty well set by you know mid three hundreds, and Revelation was the one that kind of felt like the outlier because, like I said, by then it seemed like there was enough um, opinion and interpretation that had kind of skewed its uh, original warm welcome mm-hmm. that they were kind of like, oh, we don't know, we don't know if this one should be in. Um, but as they kind of did go back in their own histories and go, okay, well, our our earliest church fathers definitely loved this book and Mm -hmm. knew it was from the Apostle John and believed in its authenticity and its authority to teach. Um, So they did end up by, it was like 382 AD, I believe, um, is when it was finally included in the canon, the last one included in the biblical canon. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from from then on, we've had this this set um, canon with Revelation kind of being the the uh, the capstone of mm. of scripture, which is pretty cool. So yeah. you did mention a minute ago just the word revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, so say that again. Where, where does our word revelation come from? So from the the Greek apoc- word apocalypsis. Yeah, I think apocalypsis. Apocalypsis, uh, which just means to unveil or to reveal. Right. And so the whole of the the, the book um, or the the letter. Mm-hmm. So it's a letter. It's prophecy mm-hmm. and it's apocalypse and apocalypse yeah. would be a specific style yeah um 
really written, uh, the style itself, really kind of about a 100 to 200-year period of time from, let's say, 100 B.C. to 100 mm-hmm. A.D., where it was a it was like extremely popular writing style. And, and apocalypse, um, uh, apocalyptic writing would just mean it has a lot of imagery, uh, numbers, and uh, numbers represent something, they right. mean something. Uh, a lot of times, uh, animals, the earth, that kind of stuff, they all mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reader, uh, it, with all that imagery, it's meant not to necessarily be uh, a linear narrative, which is what we mm-hmm. in, in the West or in the United States, you know, we read a book right. at, or, or we read history, it's, it starts here, this next, next this happens, then next this happens, and then, oh, this will happen in the future. Right. And that's not necessarily how apocalyptic literature is. Yeah. It's written in such imagery and language uh, to evoke emotion. It's supposed to yeah. get you stirred up and feel something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we see some examples of that. I think we've even talked about them so far, but um, examples of uh, what apocalyptic apocalyptic imagery can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Revelation 12, we see this story of, uh, you know, the uh, there's a woman being chased by a dragon. This woman's pregnant. Uh, this yeah. dragon's trying to kill this woman and the baby. Uh, and we see that as a you know, representation of of uh, Christ. Yeah. Uh, we see Mary. We might see the church in, mm-hmm. in the, uh, the imagery. But we also see this dragon who's told to us that this is the Satan. This is the bad guy. Yeah. And... It's the Advent story. It's the story of Christmas. Yeah. It's just not sweet baby Jesus in the manger, <laughs> yeah. you know, with some some shepherds standing around. This is like, this is real. This is war. This yeah. is, it should, uh, this apocalyptic imagery should make us go, man, I got to fight. There's something <laughs> yeah. real happening it right now. Evokes emotion. Yes, it evokes right. emotion. Um, and, and sort of an, an awakening to the deeper realities, right, that we don't see. And again, so that word revelation, that apocalypsis or apocalypsis, however you want to say it in mm-hmm. Greek. Um, so that's the word that means... To, rev- to reveal or to unveil, right? So when we, we talk about revelation, because I think we, we often think the word apocalypse just means end of the world, um, <laughs> which I, honestly, I kind of grew up thinking that, but because um, that's the way we hear it. But it, again, it just means to unveil. It just means to reveal. So right. God was, Jesus was, revealing apocalypsis revealing things to John and just like hey this is this is the reality behind the reality behind the physical behind the things that we see and hear and touch right here mm-hmm. there's something deeper going on that we need to be aware of that's always been going on mm-hmm. and that is currently going on and that will go on right mm-hmm. um like you said that when when Jesus was born there was more going on there than just the the silent night Right, you know, there's a real thing going on. It was heaven. not silent at all, probably in, in the heavenly room. <laughs> hey, uh, hey guys, hey, look, it's hey Jacob, Jacob. <laughs> what's going on? Hey. I'm trying to find a time to jump in because y'all are like, there's so much going on. I just want to uh, check out the people online, see how yeah. everybody's doing. Welcome to Dive Deeper. If you have questions, whatever platform you're on, uh, put them in the chat. We have hosts at each platform: YouTube, on our website, and on Facebook. Um, give me a second. Let me let's say hey to a few people. So Stephanie Akiyama says that John's name was John Bar Zebedee. Oh, <laughs> was that, is that right? I don't yeah. know. Bar she has question of. marks on it. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like I mean maybe. <laughs> she said that's her favorite gospel book. What's your favorite gospel? You like uh, your favorite? So if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick John as like my favorite, just because it's written so just cool. It's yeah, written so cool. But right now, I'm kind of leaning towards Mark. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's written to Gentiles, who we are. It's written simply. 
uh, I love the shortness of it, the action in it. Yeah. So, and, it, like and it's Peter. It's like Peter's story, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, right. I, I like to hear Peter's perspective. Yeah, um, I like Luke a lot. We um, let's see, we got Jamie in on Facebook. Heather's on What's up, Facebook. Jamie, Heather. Hey guys, thank uh, y'all for watching. A lot listening. of staff is in there. Hey staff, of course, Chris <laughs> Queen's in there. What's up? Uh, let me see. We got David Keel. Brett Martin, my man David, Brian. Yeah, right. and I'm going to butcher some last names, so I'm just going to say first names. <laughs> what did someone said? Some uh, some Jason Rowletter said enjoying this series. Uh, do you have a What's question? Up, bro? Will this series cover prophetic correlation between Daniel and Revelation? We might get into some of that. Yes, there. The, yeah, for sure. Um, you have to towards the end. Definitely towards the end. I actually just read through Daniel myself and was thinking, man, yeah. Um, like when we talk about the four beasts, mm-hmm. or well, the four the four images that Daniel, the four beasts that he sees, and mm-hmm. then there's really two beasts in Revelation. But anyway, just the similarities, and there, sure. there's a lot of that. So, um, yeah, Daniel and Daniel is very often quoted um, in the New Testament yeah. at large. Just yeah. kind of two parts to Daniel, right? There's like the narrative mm-hmm. part of Daniel that we understand. This happened. This this happened. Yeah. This there's the lion. Like, okay, band, I get this, this. I get this. I get this. And then, then there's the all of a sudden apocalyptic part, <laughs> yeah. which is a lot of dreams and imagery yep. and stuff. Dream Same with Ezekiel. You know, you mm-hmm. you can find a lot of Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, yep. some of those things in Revelation too. All right, cool. Well, just wanted to check in. We'll check in with you guys every. 10 minutes. They're going to try to make it every 20, but I'll try to stop them. <laughs> yeah, you just um, shout at it. That's great. ask questions or or if you have comments or if you agree with something or disagree, put it in there. It. Yeah. And uh, like I said, we've got chat hosts in there. We'll try to go through the questions and, and answer them. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, look, all right. So he says, if you agree or, or disagree, and I think that's a great like segue into, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, there's like different ways There's to read revelation views of revelation right? sure yeah um and we have mentioned this a little bit throughout the series now okay to full disclosure we are predominantly sort of preaching with a particular view in mind right as we're sharing from stage on sunday mornings um and i'll reveal which one that is <laughs> maybe after you share it why don't you share just give us a brief overview of the sure. four major views Okay. Of Revelation, because there's some terms we would just like people to know, just as you're, because these these do matter, and you you might fall into one of these, even if you don't know you that know that you do, um, you kind of might see yourself in one of these. Yeah. So anyway, so give us an overview. And the hardest thing in, in Revelation to nail down are all of these different you know views, all these different yeah. approaches to to how to interpret what you know Revelation yeah. is. Uh, and so even as I even as we narrow it down to four kind of primary views inside those views, mm-hmm. there's so many different yeah. subgroups and and it's like you might read a certain section of Revelation and go, okay, I'm definitely this view on that, but then read a different one, and you're like, oh well, I'm way more that view on you know. Yeah. So then you're like, oh goodness. And what so were so were many of the theologians, right. you know, through yeah. the through the centuries. You're in good company. It's okay. Yeah, and so first and foremost, as we kind of go through these views, and I think Jacob may have some of the definitions he'll be able to. Yeah, and if you're on the platform on our website, they're they're listed in the notes section as well. Yeah, fantastic. So so as we kind of talk about some of these views, I want to just first before I even mention what they are, um, is that at Eastridge, the way we're teaching and and going through Revelation is we want you to understand that there are multiple views, and we are going to be teaching from primarily from one. But that doesn't mean the view that we're teaching is is gospel. We, we're not, right. there's just, there's different perspectives. This is so the we lens want to, we're kind of coming through. Yeah. This is what we, um, the way we kind of see it. Right. And even if you were to poll our elders and their staff, you're going to have people lining up in several of these different camps. Yeah. Here's the main point. 
It's no reason to break fellowship over. It doesn't mean, oh, I got to go find another church because they don't believe in the rapture, which we may or may not. It depends on who you ask, you know, or what day of the yeah. week it is even. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, what I ate for lunch might depend on. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when we get to the different views on the millennium, yeah. you know, we have these guys who go, well, I hope it. It's this, and I hope it's that. I, I kind of think it might be this. But anyway, here are the four approaches, <laughs> okay. the four interpretive four, four approaches approaches to uh, to Revelation. First is the preterist view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the preterist view is that most prophecies in the book of Revelation were fulfilled during the time of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be kind of that first century time period, yeah. first, second, third century. You know, Basically, one, the whole three. Revelation is sort of around Rome being... The like what most of the imagery is alluding to, right? Right. So by the end of Rome, we have pretty much the end of all the prophecies. That's right. That's now that's the preterist view. view. And there are again subcamps in there. There's going to be people who are partial preterists Mm -hmm. and full preterists and things like that. But just the the thing to remember that is that most of the prophecies in Revelation were fulfilled during the Roman Empire. That's preterism. Yeah. Uh, The second one is called uh, the historicist. Uh, approach mm-hmm. and the historicist, historicist approach is hard word to say. <laughs> is <laughs> I it can't the, just say historical. It's no, historicist. It's historicist. You're a historicist. Uh, is that the prophecies have been fulfilled throughout history? Mm-hmm. That's where you get the historicist, historicist. part. Uh, that they've been fulfilled throughout history and are still being fulfilled today. Really, yes. Yeah. So people who are from the historicist camp, uh, that was very popular with like mm-hmm. Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, the whole Reformation mm-hmm. time period, and they would look back and kind of go, okay, what prophecies line up with historical events and the things they couldn't they didn't have a place for they go okay well they're going to be happening one day and we'll 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 pin them down when they get here so it's almost a little bit of a card shuffling game with that view because you're 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 going okay well i see this very particular fulfillment let's check that one off yeah okay but this one doesn't seem to be quite so let's just move this one over here and we'll we'll hope that that one's going to be later or something like that where it's yes. a little bit of a it it is a little bit of a guessing game but if right. you hold that view you're going to have to be willing to say Okay, that's just coming later right? at some point. So we got preterist. Uh, most yeah. of the prophecies fulfilled during the Roman Empire. We have historicist, which mm-hmm. uh, they look back and, and put them uh, prophecies being fulfilled through history with some to come. Uh, and then the third uh, approach would be futurist. And I bet you can figure out what that means. Uh, <laughs> that most prophecies beyond Revelation 3, mm-hmm. so that's where we have the letters to churches. the churches. And once it kind of goes into, mm-hmm. now I see once John into sees the weird stuff. <laughs> into heaven, then all of those prophecies are going to be futuristic, and we're looking forward yeah. uh, to those. Now, uh, that will be most of... Um, uh, most people that that probably hear this or listen to this would will will resonate with some of that because that's where you're going to hear kind of maybe the left behind mm-hmm. series. It's going to come out of that futurist right. perspective. Um, there's even a subcamp in the futurist perspective that's called dispensationalism, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't have to dig into that a whole lot tonight. But uh, but it is a driving factor. Is this futurist position? Is there's dispensationalism, which means there's God worked in certain ways during certain time periods, but then changes uh, kind of as as time goes forward. Right. Um, and then most everything in the prophecies are still yet to be fulfilled. Yeah. And the last thing about the futurist is it's uh, often a very literal interpretation of Revelation. Uh, and I want to be careful that uh, I don't, uh, uh, I'm not derogative towards that perspective because mm-hmm. uh, many of our, our church members do hold yeah. to that one. Now, we're not teaching that one specifically. We're teaching more of the fourth uh, approach, which is called um, idealist. Yeah. Uh, some people call it um, symbolic or spiritualist. Or spiritualist. Yeah. 
uh, and that's just that most prophecies portray uh, an ongoing cosmic conflict, kind of what you were mentioning earlier. There's something mm-hmm. happening in a convergent space. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll talk about that. But most prophecies portray an ongoing cosmic conflict of spiritual realities, and they may have many fulfillments throughout history. Yeah. So uh, you've probably heard us use this phrase from the pulpit if you've watched some of the sermons online, is yeah. that the prophecies can't mean something to, to us to us that it didn't mean to them mean to them yeah so like when you hear that that's a that's an idealist <laughs> kind of perspective yeah so what do, what do you hear when you hear it's, it it can be a little bit of a maybe even a controversial phrase i don't know if some of you have heard that if you've been listening to the sermons and you've heard us say it can't mean for us what it didn't mean for them um what we mean when we say that is basically to say i Let's just put it this way, that it would be, and I know Pastor Scott kind of mentioned this in the first sermon as he was kind of unveil, un, unfolding this, but it would it would be almost, in my opinion, I will say that, in my opinion, it would be a little strange if God was revealing these things to John in first century to Christians in the first century under the rule of Rome and the the four horsemen and the locust plagues and the things that are like the imagery that's in there were all going to be happening in the 20th century mm-hmm. where to like it, some people. And I think we've kind of made the joke about like Apache helicopters. Like that's mm-hmm. the Apache helicopters from, you know, from our, from the 20th century being invented. And then it's like these wars happening. It's like, that would mean nothing to the first century Christians. Right. And it would almost be like silly for them to read that and be like, okay, well, you know, what does this mean for us? This has no bearing on our time right now. This is going to be far down the road. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, there, if the futurist view is correct, which it may be um, all this like very literal futurist thing, um, you know, that doesn't mean that that takes anything away, I guess, from that. Um, but it's just to say, you know, I, the way I see Revelation and, and and how we're really trying to come about this whole series is just to say, um, this is a book and it's a letter that was valuable for the first century Christians. I believe it was valuable for the second century Christians, for the fifth century Christians, mm-hmm. for the 10th century Christians, and for 21st century Christians today. And so... As we read that, we have to have this lens on to go, okay, we, we first of all, remember, it was written not to, not to us first. Mm-hmm. It was written to other people first. So if it had value to them in a certain way, um, we can't then like change the meaning of everything all of a sudden just for ourselves mm-hmm. so that it just has value for us. And, and then, then it almost is like divorced from first century Christianity. Yeah. Rather, I think we can, but we can say, now there's certainly going to be different applications in our context because we're going through different things mm-hmm. and the world is different. Right. For sure. And that's um, that's very much the idealist approach. Right. Where, again, where that's kind of where we're leaning in on the idealist approach. Yeah. And I've heard you say this, uh, say this, is that Revelation was meant to be interpreted by the church every season that it goes through, yeah. no matter what period of time. Yeah. And that's very ideal, idealistic. Yeah. It's like, okay, um, so... You know, we'll jump ahead for a minute. If if one of the beasts is uh, representative of um, political power, mm-hmm. and the other beast is representative of uh, religious. You know, religious power, then you can kind of look across all of history and go, yeah, there's been abuses of political power and you know religious power. All as long as there's been 
humankind, right? Because we we're meant yeah. to get into you know civilizations, and then we war against each other, yeah. and then there's religion that comes out of these things, yeah. and so that's definitely why I would lean towards that that viewpoint and that interpretation because it 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 does seem to me I would say that that idealist or that um, spiritualist approach. Um, seems to uh, sort of do the most justice for every generation of Christians, right? Um, versus, like, you know, if it's a, if it's just one of those other views, some generations of Christians would sort of almost be left going, okay, well, we know this has no bearing on our day; mm-hmm. it's all for this day, or it already happened, or whatever. Right. Where I see it more as like, I think Jesus wanted every generation of Christians to read it and be able to say, we see this happening mm-hmm. now. Let's listen to this prophecy and, yeah. and be obedient yeah. and persevere. I got a great resource I want to share with everybody, and then Jacob, we'll we'll come to you see if there's any questions popped up yet. But um, this uh, this is called Revelation Four Views Revised and Updated. Uh, it's called a Parallel Commentaries. This is by a man named uh, Steve Gregg. He's a professor, and um, this was a I had this in seminary, so uh, I had to read all of it. Had to but read it's it. it's really I had to, and then I got to yeah. because it was wonderful. And so here's just for instance, we talked about the four horses, four four horsemen Sunday. This is the third one, uh, and it describes the historicist approach, the preterist, the futurist, and the idealist all in like a columnar view, mm-hmm. where you can kind of see all of them all at the same time and see you know kind of what camp believes what part of it. Yeah, uh, and it's so helpful because. Um, when you grow up in a certain denomination or, or you know, family of believers, you're going to kind of already kind of go, well, this is what sounds right because I've always heard it. Right. Yeah. And then when you actually get to see the other views yeah. side by side, it, it shouldn't uh, make us go, oh, well, this is absolutely <laughs> right. But instead go, oh, yeah. that's how so many believers can believe yeah. all these different things through the, through the ages. And it'd be okay that we... Yeah. still have a meal together. Right, absolutely. <laughs> so with the four horsemen, real quick, yeah. as, and, and then we'll take a pause. Um, so with the four horsemen, we would say, okay, if I'm a preterist, uh-huh. whatever those four horsemen are, the the war and the famine and all the, they were fulfilled by the end of the Roman Empire. So we should be able to look in there and go, here are those four horsemen somewhere in that Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. The futurists um, obviously would say there is some kind of literal four horsemen coming. Right. Mm-hmm. However, that look like whatever. Now they might say that. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely open to any of them. Yeah. Like I would love to hear those conversations. And, and we even taught that Sunday that we we called the the first horse the white horse. We we basically said that's the antichrist. antichrist right. Now maybe not a specific. The futurists would go. There will be a specific one specific antichrist. capital A antichrist. Right. And we were more or less saying there's always been mm-hmm. someone anti to Christ. Which think the Bible teaches. <laughs> anyway, but you yeah, can't keep saying right. you're right about all this. I, didn't say I'm right. I definitely didn't say that, but I said, I do think I see yes, the scripture. Right? So, because at the end of the day, we have to be able, and I, I think this is just a good point to make anyway, that whatever your view is, um, if you were to have a conversation with us about it, I would, I would expect um, from myself and from anybody that I talk to that you could just back it biblically yeah, to be able right. to say, biblically, this is what I see. Mm-hmm. Because we want to always fall on Scripture with mm-hmm. it, to go, uh, whatever viewpoint I'm bringing to this, I want to make sure I'm being faithful to Scripture. And I, and I want to always have the openness to say, if I see Scripture teach something that I didn't think was right, but I see it in Scripture, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, that's right, because it's in Scripture. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I want to fall there. Some, so. some of my favorite 
teachers and pastors are all over the map on this yeah. thing. You know, like yeah. I, I'm a fan of Luther and Calvin, but you know, they're they're historicists, or traditionally we're called mm-hmm. historicists. There's um, one of the, my favorite futurist teachers is David Jeremiah. He's a fantastic, you know, but he's very futurist, mm-hmm. very literalistic. Um, I love Matt Chandler. Love listening to Matt Chandler. He's going to be in the idealist yep. camp, and that's kind of where we're preaching, teaching yeah. from. So. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure there are people that can talk circles around me and you that oh, yeah, have different definitely. views than we do. So, absolutely, yeah. it's okay. Jacob, we want to take a break for a second. Yeah, you got any other folks to talk to or anything else? Um, yeah, Gary T says good thoughts, guys. I'm assuming that's Gary Thompson. Oh, um, there's so many Gary T's in the world. Yeah, you know Gary T. What's <laughs> up, Gary T? Um, yeah, TJ uh, asks. So all of Revelation must be relevant. Uh, specifically to the seven churches because it was written specifically to them, right? Like, yeah, and that's, I think that's what we're saying too. Is that if it were if, if you take it in context, who who the audience was, it's obvious that it says is written to mm-hmm. these seven churches for that period of time. Um, now, uh, they're significant that there's seven. Right, seven means even the, within the idealist viewpoint. Yeah. within the ideal which I take. I would say that there is a real audience, TJ. There is a real audience mm-hmm. there, but also the way I would see that is it is symbolic as well to seven being the number of completion, perfection, um, and these seven churches seem to, seeming to be representative of the mm-hmm. church, yeah. all the church, all the Christians for yeah. all time. And then if you take the futurist approach, so again, yes, yes to it was written to a specific mm-hmm. group, specific people, the futurists would say, well, each one of those seven churches also are one of the dispensations or one of the time mm-hmm. periods, right, and they yes. represent churches through the through the, through ages. the ages. Yeah. Uh, so you can kind of see where all of that makes yeah. sense. All of those yeah. things make sense, but um, I certainly like the approach. If I can read it today and, the, and take away that God wins, Christ yeah. judges, we are great beneficiaries of that, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, to God be the glory. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Michelle was wondering where the list of what you're talking about, the different viewpoints, um, are listed. If you go to eastridge.church/live and you go to the live platform, it's in the notes there. It was a lot to copy and paste in in the other platforms, so you can go check that out. Um, Jacob will also get it on the uh, microsites, what we've been calling it, but eastridge.church slash revelation. So if you go to eastridge.church revelation, you'll see all of the sermon series, all of our notes, it, even like deeper dives into the, the numbers, what do they mean, some definitions when we get to millennium, and we'll, we'll post the, uh, the four different approaches there too. Yeah, and we've been, um, that's all over the chat, that link. Make sure you have a lowercase r in there because it seems to not be working with the capital R. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was uh, the only questions we had. Um, let's see who's in here. Becky Foy is in here. Hey, Becky. Colleen hey. Freeman is in here. Um, and I'm sure there's others. I'm just not seeing them. So I thought maybe we could take a break. All right. And have a little bit of fun. Okay. What do you say? Jacob said he had a depends. surprise for us, so <laughs> okay. we're about to figure um, it out. It's not as exciting as I'm making <laughs> it out to be. So this segment today is called Would You Rather? Okay. So I'm going to ask you guys like a good would you rather. scenarios of, of Would You Rather. Is it okay? Revelation themed? <laughs> no. Would I rather ride a dragon or... I don't know. That's Where mind. are you going with this? All right, uh, go ahead. So... Try to have fun with these so we can 
spread out some time. <laughs> All right. Here's the first one. I'll put it up on there and I'll read it to you. Would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future? <laughs> Kirk, I, I'll, I'll go with future. Yeah, so but would I rather just be able to see 10 minutes or would I rather be able to see 100? I would say 10 minutes. I feel like that'd be more practically helpful day to day. Ugh. All right, I'm the opposite. And here's why. Yeah. I, I almost don't want to know the next 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And 150 are so far away. That's just more that I'm kind of just looking. That it has no effect on you. Yes. I get it. Yeah. But 10 minutes, yeah. I feel like if I could see 10 minutes, I'd be like, you know, I, I see myself trip and fall or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> And so I just don't do that. I don't know. Is yeah, that how clumsy you are? You just need to know? <laughs> or or would I still trip and fall no matter what I do? <laughs> oh. Now we're getting deep, guys. We're getting, we're going to just be delayed by 10 minutes. I would love to know what other people think too in the chat. If there's, if they're That's a good answering. One, That's like, actually a really yeah. good question. Yeah. So, so put it in the chat like and then that. we'll come back later once some of them come in um, and try to keep them a little short in your explanation so I can read it <laughs> on here. All right. You guys ready for the second one? All right. Here we go. Would you rather have telekinesis, which is the ability to move things with your mind, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or telepathy, telepathy, right? Mm -hmm. The ability to read minds. Read minds. <laughs> no way. So move things with <laughs> yeah. your mind or read minds. Move things right. with my mind for sure. Yeah. I, why? I, why? I don't want to know what people are thinking. Do you want to know what people are thinking? No. no. Why would you want? What would you move? Like, well, like you know, get things done around the house, or like whatever. <laughs> yeah, simple stuff. But like, I don't want to know what people are thinking yeah. most of the time. Uh, or do you? Maybe you do. I don't know. Would my 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 life goal is to be Obi Wan Kenobi. All right, so yeah, Star Wars geek here. I, I want move. to move things with my mind, but I definitely do not want to know what people are thinking. Yeah, moving that's a things, terrible. Though, that's that's a curse. Then, that's like great power. Either way. That's like great responsibility because you got that kind of power. Oh, thank you. You better, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You better like harness that junk. Move the kid away from that's, the moving this is, car. There's a fine line between superhero and supervillain. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, if I could mute everybody else's thoughts so it's not all at once, so I could just like hone in on one. Maybe yeah. then I would. I'd yeah, if you that. wanted to know their thoughts in that moment. Yeah, it could be helpful. I think. Like if you're a Braves hitter <laughs> hitting. Oh, yeah. You just want to know what the pitcher's thinking, right? You don't have to steal signs like the Astros <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, a bunch of cheaters. But if you can move yeah, things, you that. can slow down the pitch. That's true, too. That, but everybody would know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that pitch was strangely slow and stopped right before he hit it. That was amazing. All right, I got a third one. Oh, okay. You got sweating a little bit? Here we go. I don't even remember what it is. <laughs> would you rather always have B.O. and not know? Is that body odor? Yes, sorry. Mm. Body odor. Bow and not know it or always smell body odor on everyone else? Oh, that's a very selfish question. Because I, I, I don't want to smell anybody's BO ever. Mm. And if I don't have to smell anybody's, but mine is just always radiating and everyone just has to deal with it, that'd be very selfish of me to, to make that selection. But that's, that's what I, I feel I would like it'd be worse to smell it all the time. That's what I'm saying. On other people, yeah. So... I guess I'd just rather have it. If I stank, <laughs> if I stank and yeah. I don't know I stank and everybody we'll deal just, with it. I'm all right, I can handle that. Speaking of B.O., John probably had B.O. <laughs> he was exiled on an island. Back to Revelation. <laughs> all right, guys. That's a good segue. That's all I got. We'll <laughs> check back later uh, with good. the people in the chat. All right, so. so let's just 
kind of walk through where we've been so far All right. um, with Revelation. So, like I said, we're on chapter 7. Um, we've done four weeks here at Eastridge. The first week was really an intro. Um, we just did kind of chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, I think is what it was, mm-hmm. where just kind of John opening it up. This is a revelation of Jesus to John as I'm on Patmos, and he, he kind of sees this glorified Jesus, which we see a few times where he's mm-hmm. kind of scary, but awesome looking. And Can, can I pause you just uh, for a second? Because yeah, yeah, what I ahead. thought was the coolest thing, we've, we've started doing something spe- specifically for this series, is that we'd have somebody stand up and read yeah. the actual passage before we talk on it. I would love to hear if people it. are enjoying that in the chat, if you're liking the... Because I love that. Yeah, I do too. And, so but good. when, the, when the, the, the readers got up to read for the very first time, and they read these words, mm-hmm. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy <laughs> to the church, and he blesses all who listen to the message and what it says. And I thought, man, if I was reading that, I'd be like, hey, that's me. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And that's you because you're hearing it. Yeah. So good. Um, But man, even that first Sunday, I remember thinking, this is awesome. Like I loved that we're we're just reading the word in front of the people out loud with everybody standing and we're just all in agreement. Now, I Mm -hmm. mean, yeah, certainly there's some people who have come who maybe they're, maybe you're not in agreement, but um, for the most part, man, we just, it's such a cool thing to kind of be unified in God's word, and it is that. Like in the original, as we read through a lot of the New Testament, that they are letters that would have been read out loud like this. Mm -hmm. They would have been read by like a messenger that came to your city, whether it was Ephesus or Philadelphia or wherever, and they would come and they would, hey, I have a, I have a letter from the Apostle John, and people are going, the Apostle John, everybody, stop what you're doing, incredible, right? And they would gather somewhere, and the person would read it. So he probably, you can imagine, like if somebody just got this and read the entire thing out loud to the whole, you know, group of people that were there. Super cool. So And the way Revelation ends, you know, people would be just applauding oh, and high fiving yeah. or yes. whatever you do in first century Rome. Man. Or first century that's the kind of thing room. I, I think we miss sometimes at church. Now, anyway, so I'm so glad that we're doing that, mm-hmm. um, just reading it out loud. Chapters 2 and 3 um, is where Jesus gets really to speak directly to the churches, these seven churches. Um, I'm not going to name them all, but Laodicea and Philadelphia and Ephesus and uh, Smyrna and mm-hmm. all the others. Um, he speaks directly to them. Five of the seven churches he talks um, kind of very directly to them about repenting Mm -hmm. because they had some certain things going on. There was a lot of false teaching Mm -hmm. um, happening in that first century, which is really no different than today. Right. Um, Again, a lot of false teaching. There was a lot of persecution. um, So he's addressing that as well. Um, And there's a lot of sin. Um, He he addresses some specific sins that seem to be pretty prevalent in in and amongst them, whether it was just believing certain things or um, there seemed to be a lot of like sexual immorality, things like that going Mm -hmm. on. Um, so Jesus really addresses the churches in particular in chapters two and three, the the, the recipients recipients of this letter, and then we get to four and five. Were you gonna say something? Were you about to jump? In? Well, I just I mean, there's certain places I highlight through the the mm-hmm. messages to the churches, and if it is meant for us to you know hear and and and, and understand for even today, I just you know, Jesus, their word their words are in in red. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Jesus talking. Um, in, into the church in Ephesus, he gives this kind of complaint about them losing, you know, their their first, first love. love. But yeah. but before that, he says, "I've I've seen." He always commends these churches, right? He says, "I mm-hmm. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance, and I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined yourselves." Like this is that's such a word to us, man. I, yeah. God sees our hard work and our uh, patient endurance because some days it feels like, man. I'm just ready to throw in the towel. This isn't worth it. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. It's like, no, man, Jesus sees all of that. Mm-hmm. And he and he just calls you back to to love him. Yeah. So there's just, just 
there's beauty, not just pro- uh, prophecy is beautiful, mm-hmm. but there's so much more happening too than, yeah. than that. And in every one of these churches, he introduces them to him. He introduces them to them. <laughs> he tells them what to do, mm-hmm. and then he tells them what's at stake. And he ends every one of those sections with, um, like, oh, for instance, to Ephesus, he says, to him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. What is that referencing us back to? Genesis yeah. 1 perfection. and 2. When things perfection, Eden. Um, and we're going to see that at the end where we're going to end the way that we began. Mm. Um, so Jesus is kind of telling us, this is what's at stake. Like, this is going to end. And when it ends, it's going to be glorious and beautiful if you persevere mm-hmm. to the end. I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that's, guys, that's what this whole book is about. Mm. It really is. It I, Again, we can, the four views, just to make this super clear, the four views are just four lenses of looking at how it's all going to unfold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can agree, Jesus is Lord, Jesus wins, we who are in him, we win with him, mm-hmm. and we persevere to the end until he returns, right? Yeah. I mean... And it, not only do we persevere, which means, which which is an encouragement. Hey, yeah. you're going to be persecuted, stick in there, Christ is going to win, and you'll win. But it's also uh, a daily prayer. At right. the end of it, it says... Yep. The, the saints are going, come, Lord Jesus, yeah. come, Lord Jesus, <laughs> yeah. come, Lord Jesus, because like, when yeah. you do, we all experience that yeah. wonderful judgment mm-hmm. for those who are in Christ. His wrath is not destined for us. Yeah. And so we can live in that power and, and, and uh, excitement knowing that this day's coming. Yeah. So come quickly, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about convergent space. What? For, for just a minute. <laughs> convergent space. What? what is that? Uh, buzzword. Convergent when space. the X and the Y um, plane cross. The- <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked about convergent space two Sundays ago in chapters four and five. We see this throne room, this magnificent scene mm-hmm. um, in, in Revelation four and five. If you're sitting there watching, maybe just you can open up Revelation four and five and just read through some of it as we're talking. But man, just this glorious scene of like, all the all nations and tongues and tribes, people, saints, uh, apostles, prophets, animals, angels <laughs> surrounding this throne, this throne room of God, of Jesus. Mm. And we see this lamb on the throne and they're singing to him, all glory and honor and praise, worthy is the lamb, all these things. So it's just an amazing worship service, right? And so we talked about this this phrase we used, convergence space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did, we, we wanted to make sure that this was, this was really clear, um, what we mean by convergent space, kind of what that is, where that mm-hmm. idea comes from. So you want to take a crack at just kind of like, what is and convergent space? What yeah, are we talking I'll, about I'll try. And I thought my, my buzz phrase for tonight would be is, as best I understand <laughs> it, right? So as best, best I understand, understand. Uh, convergent space yeah. would be where, um, again, we're talking about the most real of reality, mm-hmm. which seems weird because this table's real, this computer, this all is real. Yeah. But there's something behind all this that's realer than this that we see, yeah. or as real, mm-hmm. if not realer. Realer. Okay, we'll go with that. Realer. So, but so where those two things um, overlap mm-hmm. would be called convergent space. Yeah. And so that uh, a great example that would be easy, I think, for us to understand is just the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. So we talk about God's creation. He says, "I want, I want uh, to have man who will be there with me, love me." Well, the Garden of Eden set up very much like a, the tabernacle, the temple, the the place in which man and God shared space. Yeah, that was the convergence. So at Eden would be a, a convergent space. Yeah, man was there. God walked amongst them. They had conversation. They were together. And that was the realest of real. Mm-hmm. And then you could you know, go to the temple later in yep. the Old Testament, and you would see where, um, what was present in the, in the temple? 
God's presence mm-hmm. and man, or at yep. least a mediator for man. And so what we had there when those two, when the the reality of the temple itself, yep. God's presence there, that's converging space, right. and where that's happening, God and man are there together, or at least right. a mediator for God and man. And so, you know, flash forward to Christ and His presence on Earth, and then He's. Uh, we could talk about that convergent space where He is he now the embodiment. Is God is now in space. the flesh, and right. that's the convergent space. And then yeah. He uh, crucified, resurrected, uh, ascends to heaven, and what does He promise us? Holy Spirit, the one of the the persons of the Trinity of mm-hmm. God. And so now He calls us temples. We are right. temples. And so now where does this convergent space happen? But holy cow, you know, in in us and, and with us. And so we are in worship on Sunday mornings or wherever you may be worshiping. Yeah. You're entering you, your flesh, who you are, are entering into that convergent space with God as you're talking to Him, you're singing to Him, and the Spirit's you know, giving you these words and things to say. That's convergent space. It's the realest of real. And then you could just say, okay, what's the opposite of that in then? Also in convergent space would be when you're tempted. You're tempted to sin. There is now also something saying, hey, there's something going on, and I want to take your eyes off of yeah. of God, and I want to pull you away, pull your attention away, and there's yeah. then that battle in the heavenlies, that too is yeah. that kind of convergent space. Yeah. So, so I don't know if that helps, but that's a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right on. And, and I, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul talks about, you know, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Like you said, G- this was the promise. So we have the actual Old Testament temple. Jesus comes. He is the convergent space. He- basically, where heaven and earth meet, mm-hmm. right? Heaven meets earth. And so we got Jesus, and then he gives that to us that we now are the convergent space. Uh, it reminds me of Ephesians 2. Here's what Paul says at the end of Ephesians 2. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus. So I'm thinking, again, Revelation 5, we got apostles and prophets mm-hmm. around the throne room of Jesus. And he says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, talking to the church, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Mm. So we are the convergent space. And so the idea here, um, and what we were trying to kind of drag out for us, um, draw draw out would be a better word, not drag out, but draw out for us as a church as we read through Revelation is this idea that there is a reality that we can't yet physically see, and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4 as well, just these unseen realities, right? Mm-hmm. That we can't physically see yet, but which we are a part of already, mm-hmm. right? This this worshipful throne room of Jesus. Um, he even Paul even says in Ephesians 2, at the beginning, he says, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms right now. Mm-hmm. That's convergent space. And that's real, realer than real. But it's hard when we are, right. you know, encased in this flesh that yeah. doesn't want me to yeah. see that right now, you know? Yeah. So to kind of walk in this mindset and this heart set of, I am more than, and I am living in more than just what I can see and touch and whatever in this mm-hmm. world, that I am part of a bigger kingdom, mm-hmm. a greater kingdom, mm-hmm. right? Um, that that we exist 
kind of in both places at once. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in this world. We are not of this world. We are mm-hmm. aliens and strangers, the way that Peter puts it. Um, we have a heavenly kingdom, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as mm-hmm. Paul puts it in, a, in Philippians. So yeah. um, that we are now in this kingdom already. And so the, the encouragement that day, I believe Cameron spoke at uh, South Newton and Brandon Daniel spoke at East Newton. They were encouraging us that day to man, just to not take our eyes off of that reality. Right. That what we are experiencing day to day, and here's the encouragement, that what you're going through day to day, whether it's a great day or a sad day or a hard day or difficult times or seasons that you're going through, um, this is not all there is. Mm-hmm. And this, and it's not just like we're waiting for heaven one day. Right. That is true. Come, Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're already living in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. We're already there. Um, despite what comes. Despite what comes. Right. We are living in the reality of the convergent space that mm-hmm. where heaven and earth collide is us. Mm-hmm. And so also a little bit of a missional mindset to that, right? That we get to then take that and build that kingdom in this world and bring that kingdom to others, right? Jesus says in Luke 17, people are going to be looking for the kingdom everywhere, but what they don't realize is it's it's here, it's in mm-hmm. your midst, yeah. right? And he's talking about him. He, I think his point is where I am, the kingdom is. Right. So where we are his body, the kingdom is. Yeah. We're the convergent space. Yeah. Such a, it's an incredible thought. Yeah. So. If we can live in that, man, mm-hmm. oh man, like I, I, I just think sometimes, like, how would my life be different if I just really lived mm-hmm. like I'm living in the convergent space as I really am? Yeah, and I think what helps us to to um, with that convergent space conversation, the only reason we bring it up is as we now go through the rest of Revelation, we're seeing this is real, yep. right? Like this imagery yep. should cause me to now go, I will mm-hmm. fight against the enemy, yeah. I will fight against sin, yeah. I will not let that in here because. This this is a holy space, yeah. And I want it to remain holy. I want yeah. to stay there. I want to pursue that holiness. Right. More of you, you know, Lord Jesus. More of you. Yeah. Like Ephesians so. six, where our struggles not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against the powers, the authorities, the rulers in the heavenly realms mm-hmm. and the unseen things in spiritual places. Right. Like he's he's drawing us into that. Paul is always kind of going, man, you're fighting in the convergent space, all the and you're worshiping mm. in the convergent space. Like you said, there there's kind of that evil convergent space of of Satan and his temptations and mm-hmm. his, all the stuff that he's doing. But man, we know the victory is in the heavenly convergent space with Christ. Yeah. And that's where we dwell already in his kingdom. And it's more than just a, okay, well, if those things are out there, I just rebuke it. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely rebuke it, yeah. but you, you also walk in holiness. You pursue right. that. You, you know, it's yeah. obedience. And we yeah. said on the, the very first introduction message, we said, revelation is great. Like the actual revealing of something is wonderful, mm-hmm. but it should lead us to then be obedient, walk in obedience right, yeah. and love. So Yeah. So the reality behind our physical reality, that that kingdom reality, so to speak, that convergent space, it affects the way I live my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. It affects the way I, I live now in the flesh. Not just waiting on that day to come. Right. Yeah. Right. Paul says in Philippians when he's talking about, man, I desire to go be with the Lord, which is better by far. Like he's he's thinking about that convergent space. Like mm-hmm. I want to be on this side of it where I'm in heaven with Jesus. But he says, but I know it's actually more necessary that I stay in the flesh for your sake. Mm-hmm. He's talking to his people, his his <laughs> his flock, so to speak, and he's going, it's necessary for me to stay in this side of the convergent space because I know I got more work to do. Yeah. I got more people to tell about Jesus. More letters to write. More so letters we can, to write. It's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. One day can be beneficiaries too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that was the convergent space, chapters four and five. And then last Sunday, we hit on the four horsemen. Um, in in chapters six and seven, and yeah. the, the and the seals, the yeah. seals that begin to be opened. So I'll I'll jump in here real quick, real quick and and try to explain to us when we when we start talking about 
the seals were not you know we're not talking about or, 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 but we're talking about a uh, you know uh, a squirrel. Wait, I didn't I didn't get that. Or, 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 like a seal. seal. Um, but what what the the imagery we see is that that God is holding mm-hmm. on his he's, he's holding some sort of scroll. Yeah. And, uh, you know, depending on which approach you have would determine maybe what you think is in the scroll, like what exactly is is in there. But on the scroll, we see these seven seals. And remember, like the wax seals that you would put, you'd stamp your insignia on there, your ring, signet ring. Yep. And that says, this is from the king, a message from the king. And there'd be seven of them on there. Mm-hmm. And so what we, what we kind of, the imagery John's giving us is, who can... Whatever this wonderful who, document who is it is, worthy. who's worthy? Yeah, not a, not able necessarily, but who's worthy yeah. to open this up? This thing that God has, this message or this mm-hmm. title deed to the earth. This uh, you know the, maybe it's the Lamb's Book of Life. Like wh- what is it? I don't know. It's like a final uh, will and testament, so to speak. That's the very idealist approach. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but what is it? Yeah. Not just what is it, but who's worthy to open it? Yeah. And and when John sees, or I guess um, the um, one of the elders or one of the four living creatures, someone says, yeah, the angel angel, says, um, you know, no one, no one seems to be worthy. No one's found worthy. And John John weeps weeps about it. Yeah. Like, oh, we want to know, we want to know what's in there. We want to know so badly. And, uh, what do we then see? What's the imagery, but the lamb who looks as if he has been slain, he's worthy. Yeah. He's worthy to open. So then he, you know, I, I don't want to make more, but he peels open each one of <laughs> yes. these seals. He begins to open it up. And with with each seal that is opened, we get some picture, some this mm-hmm. is what I saw when that seal is broken, whether or not it happens after the seventh one is broken or each one individually, we're not sure. Right. But as they're opened, we see then these different uh, things that come forth from the seal. Yeah. And the first four, I guess, were then each single horseman that we talked about Mm -hmm. Sunday. Now, real quickly before we talk about the horsemen, if we have time, is that this is where recapitulation comes into play as the way that we're going to be teaching this. So every one of the seals, and once you get to the end of it, we're going to kind of be saying that's where the seventh seal would then be Christ's return, the judgment. Well, then, wait a minute, there's more to the book, though. There's then (laughs) uh, that seventh seal then goes to seven trumpets. And that's where we would call that recapitulation. Now John's going to tell the story from a different perspective or a different view. And we're going to have these seven trumpets, each one ushering in something different. Then we're going to get to seven. The seventh trumpet leads to the seven bowls, the seven bowls of wrath. And those, each one, again, recapitulation, same story over again, but from a different perspective or different vantage point, viewpoint. And then we'll see... At each each seven is this glorious return, this glorious yeah. worship of Christ coming back, and that's the way we're going to look at it. Yeah. Obviously, multiple different ways to view it. And again, it, seven meaning perfection, completion. Yeah. Like this is the, the whole totality perfection. of whatever I'm talking about here. So maybe it's a way of Jesus saying, or mm-hmm. them being revealed to John as like this is the complete. Mm-hmm. story or the complete will of God or the complete, if you're looking more futurist, like complete end of what's going to come. Right. Whatever it is. And there's it's, three it sets is a, it is of It is a completion sevens. of it. Right. And three, three times being seven. that whole perfect yes. thing. Um, which we're going to, anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into more of that uh, later. So the first four seals being the first, being the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got... Let's, let's uh, if y'all don't mind, let's check in real quick yeah, with go the ahead. chat and yep. then we can get in that. And we're going to go over, but... I'm fine with it. If you guys are, I think everybody online would be fine as well. All right. Um, real quick, so Chris Queen has put up um, 
the four approaches to interpreting Revelation. I just put the graphic up, uh, eastridge.church slash revelation. You can find those there. Mm. Um, so let's see what's happening in the chat, shall we? All right. We give, me a, give me a second here. All right. Okay, Chris Queen, with telekinesis household chores would be a lot easier. It's a very Mary Poppins thing. Going on. <laughs> Jamie Corley, definitely uh, telekinesis. Um, Scott England, telekinesis, I agree. I don't want to know what people are thinking. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, Scott also says I'm enjoying Trey Bailey's fresh shave. What? Oh, He's all them gray hairs. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Jason Rowletter uh, says, Jacob is like little Sanjay. If you know, you know. Uh, it's uh, some WSB. Um, I listen to it a lot. I don't know. And I don't they, either. They do a, a Would You Rather segment uh, oh, a lot of times. Okay. So, yes, that's where I got the okay. idea right. from. Recapitulation. Oh. Um, so, uh, let's see. David Keel, how often do you feel that convergent space, or how often do you feel that the presence of the Holy Spirit, how often do you feel that? Um, That's a good question. How often do we feel Feel it? Like, yeah, actually feel it. That's a great question. I mean, not as often as we should. Uh, For me, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, Because that's where I think we get into a lot of our laziness and apathy is where we're living as if it's not true or whether, and and I don't know, maybe the nuance of what, David, you mean by feel, but uh, I I guess I'm guessing experience or just like being aware of. um, Yeah, I would definitely say. You know, when you're at church and, you know, in, in certain places, and that was kind of the brunt of that sermon was, I know Brandon was talking about that, like, we we definitely feel that at church a lot more, mm-hmm. but do we feel it Wednesday afternoon at work, you know? Right. Um, probably not all the time, but yeah. w- how can we better foster that in our lives, mm-hmm. I think, is a challenge um, yeah. to grow. And there's, there's great, like, uh, man, just how often do we uh, not even um, attempt the convergent space? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even go there because I'd rather... Uh, you know, scroll through TikTok, or Absolutely. I'd rather check out, you know, binge a little yeah. bit on Netflix. Why not just be quiet before yeah. the Lord? Yeah, but you'll you'll experience some convergence space. That's, that's exactly it, man. Like be in nature, read your time Bible, in the Word every morning. Yeah, right. To, that's convergence space. That's I'm I'm hearing from the Lord. I'm living in that reality. I'm reminding myself, centering myself around that throne mm-hmm. every day as best I can. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't do a great job of keeping yeah. that mindset all the time. And I hope that I can do better in that as I and sanctified more. But same, um, yeah, that's um, a great question. Got that's a lot question. of comments. People loving this, the explanation, of everything. Andrea Hayes says, "Love this explanation, especially with the kids learning about uh, the Pentecost soon." Mm. Um, Gene Miller just joined in. Gene. PCB. What's up, Gene? Uh, let's he's probably see. watching on the beat. And uh, TJ commented that he's loving how we're standing for the server, the message, and, mm. and reading the different sections. Yeah, that's a lot of people commented that they love that. Um, let's see. Jared needs you. Oh, <laughs> Gary T says, I think the next dive deeper should be an hour of Would You Rather. <laughs> I guess that would be a That'd lot be of fun. maybe more entertaining. I don't know. All right. Jacob. Um, yes. Jared needs your attention. What's up? <laughs> Do what? Oh, you lost my video? That's all right. Battery went dead, I'm sure. Oh, okay. So you we guys still can still hear video? me. Just still? No, you guys are good. Okay. It's just me. You know. All right. Well, let's just wrap up. So we'll keep we'll on talk, going. Mm-hmm. We'll talk four horsemen real quick. Um, cause that's, sure. that's as far as we've gotten. So we got the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, mm-hmm. and the pale horse. Now, here's the what we 
really drew out um, in in the sermons yesterday that the white horse being the or a an antichrist, a a Christ like figure that is not Jesus, but someone sort of pretending to be Jesus, mm-hmm. um, who is bent on conquest. Verse two says um, the red one. Um, says that its writer was given power to take peace from the earth. So this is war, pretty clearly. Um, the red rider being war. Uh, the black rider on the black horse, um, he's holding a pair of scales. We talked about this really being um, famine, mm-hmm. hunger, like uh, want and need and, and that kind of you know um, scarcity mm-hmm. type thing in the world, which certainly seeing that, and we have seen that for the longest time. Um, and then the pale horse being the color of yuck, yuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> the color of puke. Um, its rider was named Death and Hades, um, followed closely behind. Uh, this rider was named Death and Hades, followed closely behind. Yeah, they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, plague, and so this killing and death—it's it's death. Mm-hmm. Um, is what we have there. So these are the first four seals. Um, do you have any maybe nuances of how different views may interpret those things? Yeah. Um, so we know later in Revelation, we'll get to, there's another white horse, Christ, mm-hmm. we, which we're pretty certain is Christ. There's a sword coming out of right. his, flaming sword coming out of his mouth. Um, these, uh, some have this first white horse and horseman being Christ. Being uh, actually Christ. Uh, yeah, yeah, his his return. Um, that would be the futurist approach. So when this... Um, when the scene changes in Revelation, so between three, the letters are done, and then four, right. as we're going into uh, this new section, uh, is like the what, what some would call the rapture, and then the the, trib- the period of tribulation begins, and this first horse then ushers in this kind of tribulation, that being Christ, and then the rest of this is going to all be a tribulation tribulation period. So mm-hmm. that would be common to a lot of people to understand. That's a futurist approach. Um those are probably the main things. Rome is going to be yeah. pr- predominant in the historicist uh, viewpoint, even a lot in the preterist, certainly, uh, right. viewpoint. You'll, you'll see that um, the white horse is uh, is Rome or it's the Roman Empire. Sometimes it's uh, specifically Domitian, uh, some of those other yeah. bad emperors yeah. uh, who were persecuting Christians. Yeah. So. Um, so in our view that we have been sharing and certainly the view that I would take, it would, it would be for them. It was Rome, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, it's not Rome, but mm-hmm. there are, are there wars going on at least around the world or different rumors of wars? As Jesus says, you will hear for wars and rumors of wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we got some scarcity going on. Our gas prices going up is the cost of beef like tripled, <laughs> you know? Yes, it has wood and everything else is going up. Um, you know, is there, has there been any sickness in the last couple of years? Um, yes. And uh, death, obviously. So, yeah, as I read that, I see it, and I'm like, yes, this is happening. Yeah. Just like it was happening for them, it's happening for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the idealist point of view um, where others would, would maybe see that a little differently. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's really where we've gotten so far. Right. And hopefully this has been something that has been encouraging as you've listened and as you've listened to the sermons that have been presented and this dive deeper, we really hope and pray, and we really did pray right before this, just that this would be something that is encouraging, edifying to to you, to us as a church. Um, because at the end of the day, again, we just want this to be so clear. Revelation is a gift to the church. This book is a gift to the church. And um, Jesus wouldn't have given it to John if he didn't want it to be read. As chapter one says, blessed is he who reads this and those who hear it and, and obey it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I do think, and maybe we'll just give a quick parting shot here, so I'll, you can share after. Yeah. Um, I'll just share something, and then you share. Yeah. Just sort of what, what is your encouragement. So I would say this. Um, I think that that word obey in chapter 1 is important for mm. us, that this letter, obviously there's lots of crazy things going on. We know that, and yeah, we can see it some different ways, but at the end of the day, does it affect the way that I live my day-to-day life in obedience to Jesus? Because mm-hmm. I think it should. Yeah, I think it should. I think um, as I read this letter, as we as we sit in it and get in it, let it get in us. It should um, it, it should inspire a, in us a deeper level of commitment to right. Jesus Christ, our King. Absolutely. Forever. Yeah, and and just quickly, I know we don't have. Um, we didn't get to cover all of the different seals. So if, you know, the, the fifth seal, the sixth seal, uh, and then uh, we, we got earthquakes and things happening, the, the, the seventh seal, the, the, the 144,000, like you may have some more questions about those. And, uh, you know, if you do, continue to send them in on the chat. We'll try to get them in the next dive deeper or we'll, we'll even, you know, engage you one-on-one in email. If you leave your email, we'll try to uh, catch up with you. But uh, yeah, I think the main thing for me uh, when it comes to Revelation, what we've talked about so far and just the book in general, um, is I just I just want to live every day, regardless of what's going on in my day, like the Braves just won the World Series. <laughs> right. right? I mean, we yeah. so we're just now getting to the World and Series. Better than that, yeah. And, and I'm a bit, you know, I, I know people may hate the sports metaphors, but look, on, on Saturdays when the dogs, I'm, I'm tweeting, I'm all, all the time engaging with people. I'm like, this is great. Look, they're winning. Yeah. I'm excited. Right. And when that final, you know, when the school board shows the dogs won or the Braves won or whatever, I'm ecstatic mm-hmm. because I know who won. Yeah. And I'm on that team. I'm cheering for that team. Well, when it comes to Revelation, this is like, we get to the end of Revelation. We see the scoreboard. Yeah. It's like, Christ is one. We've that means I'm it. on that team. Like yeah. we won. I want to. I want to live. A, and this is impractical, but I want to live a life of high fiving all day long, and chopping and whatever <laughs> just to go. Man, yeah. Christ wins. I can't believe this, y'all. Christ wins. It doesn't feel like it right now. Yeah. But he's gonna win, and that means I'm gonna win. And this yeah. is. I'm just so enamored. Yeah. And in love with the fact that he wins, yeah. and I get to be a part of that. Yeah. It's just amazing. That's living and I want that. As many people to come along right. on that and be on that team too, right. you know. Bringing them into the convergence space, right? Yeah. So that's living in that convergence space of I know I know where I really belong and I know where I'm going and I know who's coming back for me and I know like I know the reality behind the reality and we want as many people to know that same yeah. reality as we possibly can share with them. If we get to the end of Revelation and we're praying those prayers at the end that says, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come quickly. It better not be just for me. Like if I sincerely pray, Lord, right. come tomorrow so that we can enjoy this space, not just converge anymore. We're in the flesh. We're there with you, Lord, in our mm-hmm. glorified bodies. It's just yeah. it's beautiful. I don't want anybody to be left behind. Yeah. Ooh. I didn't, Ooh. I didn't, we didn't go there. I didn't even mean to go left behind. But I don't want anybody right. yeah. you to don't perish. Want to not experience that. I don't want anybody to be apart from God's love forever. Right. I don't want my fam- I want that for my family. I don't want that for the people I work with. I don't want the people that I meet on the street. Yeah. So if I'm praying every day, God, you know, send you, Lord, come quickly. Yeah. Man, that should light a fire in me to tell yeah. everybody about I can about him. So some supplemental reading, if you're, you know, loving reading your Bible and wanting to be kind of a, more of a student of the word. First and second Thessalonians mm-hmm. are Paul's letters written to people who were dealing with some of these end times thoughts. 
and seem to be, and I love that you said what you said, like you want to live your life just on fire and passionate because they seem to kind of take the in view time thing and go, okay, and I'm going to be lazy. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of laziness mm-hmm. going on because they were like, well, some of them believe Jesus had already come mm-hmm. or, okay, if he is coming and I'm already on the team, then I'm good, right? So he, he writes First and Second Thessalonians to go, no, 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 we're not, we're not lazy, we're not impure, we're going to be more pure, more holy, seek the Lord, not be lazy, draw people in to that convergent space, show them who Jesus is because he's coming back. Mm-hmm. And when he does, we want to be ready and we want to bring as many people with us mm-hmm. as we possibly can. So um, yeah, that's how we want to live. Yeah. That's how we want to live our lives. So absolutely. Thank cool. you all so much for joining us. Jacob, yeah, but any? before we wrap up, I just want to point everybody to eastridge.church slash revelation. Um, a lot of what we talked about is on there. Um, the sermons each week are going to be posted there as well. And also our are the, all these books or the books you're um, most of them anyway, but there are books listed there as well. Um, so there's just a lot of resources to so make sure you take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Real quick before he's on off, Pete asked a good question. He asked about the white horse being compared. Have we heard of this being compared to the Pope um, or any of the popes? And the answer is yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Certainly that, that is a very common thing um, for many of the the popes to be for for some of the viewpoints to go okay well this is the catholic church or this is the popes or whatever mm-hmm. be the antichrist or be the whatever um the religious beast you know or something like that so yes it would depend on your view of things um whether or not maybe that that beast later in revelation would because there's a religious beast like some kind of religious leader mm-hmm. um so and, yeah. and and yeah definitely have heard that yeah the, the key again to us is that if if you believe that christ died for your sins and rose again, and like, then, then you're in. Okay, you need to live a life of pursuing holiness. All those things. So when it comes to like, who who are these things, and what are the beasts, and all that, um, we just want to be careful that we don't pin a beast on our brother or right. sister. That's not the intent right. in Revelation. Even if some people may hold to that perspective that there was a time or there is a time in which uh, there's false teachers and there's a fake or false you know religion going around. Um, what we want to do is link arms with brothers that think like-minded, um, and then of course be listen to the warnings in Scripture to make sure that we're not following false teaching, um, and to be all about sharing the gospel yep. wherever that is. So keeping the main things, the main yeah. things, and following Jesus to the end. Keep sending the questions in, though. We'll we'll get to them when we can. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This has been fun. Um, thanks, Trey. Yeah. It's thanks, been, Kurt. It's been a good time. And Jacob. hopefully we'll. See you on the next Dive Deeper and for the next four weeks here at Eastridge as we continue going through Revelation. So thank you all so much. Have a great night. See you.